friends, I invite you to remain standing in body or spirit as we read from God's holy word this morning. Um, you're welcome to follow along with the words on the screens if you have Bibles with you, if you're worshiping with us at home and want to pull out a Bible um, and follow along. We will be reading today from Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, a story of calling um, that I think has something powerful to share, share with us this morning. Let us read these words. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax collection station, and he said to him, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed Jesus. And as Jesus sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. May God add blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of this portion of God's holy word. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Please be seated. My name is Kathleen McMurray, and I am one of the pastors on staff. I have the amazing privilege of um, being here in worship um, with you all in Wesley Hall most weeks. Um, and whether you are joining with us in person or you are worshiping with us online, I am so incredibly thankful for your presence today. Um, as we come together, I know that many of us come from different points in our faith journeys, different points in our lives and our walks of discipleship. Um, and, and this story that we have for today, this calling story of Jesus, um, is this reminder that Jesus meets us all in unexpected places and spaces and moments in our lives. Um, and so we want you to know, I want you to know, um, that wherever you find yourself today, um, that God is, is welcoming you exactly as you are. Um, thank you so much for your presence today. Let's go to God in prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've been watching a lot of college baseball recently. The NCAA Men's World Series is going on, that tournament that leads to the national championship, um, in part because I'm an LSU grad and an LSU fan, um, and they have landed themselves um, kind of unexpectedly uh, in the finals this weekend, which is wonderful uh, for that fandom uh, and for me and my family. But I also just love, I love baseball. Um, particularly college baseball. But, but what I love is I, I love in these tournaments where you get to see these teams making changes to their lineup or to who is going to pitch, where you see all sorts of unexpected people making a contribution to the work of a team, where a coach will change a lineup or put in a pitcher that the fans are questioning that decision. And yet, that individual makes an amazing catch, an amazing play, an amazing pitch, or hits a home run. If you have an important mission to accomplish, putting together the right team is really important. Piecing 
together the right people to make sure that as a team, you have all that you need in order to be able to accomplish your mission. Whether you're playing in the College World Series or putting together a quiz bowl team, planning a bank robbery or saving the world, whatever it is, having the right people to accomplish that mission is important. And you want the best, the best people for the job, the most qualified people for the job. And yet sometimes the best or the right people are a little bit surprising. That's how it is for Jesus anyway. In today's scripture, we find Jesus in the midst of putting together his team, his group of disciples, that group of 12 that would be a part of his mission in the world, that would be a part of bringing teaching and preaching and healing, love and light and redemption to the world. Those people that would travel around with him as he healed the sick, as he ate with people, as he shared the good news of this gospel of life transformation, these would also be the people that eventually he passed the torch to, so to speak, as they continued the mission at Pentecost, which we celebrated a number of weeks ago. This team that he was putting together was really important. He had already called Simon, Andrew, James, and John, these fishermen. Fishermen that were not the most likely of people to be a part of this mission. They weren't priests. They weren't prophets. They weren't religious scholars or teachers or experts. They weren't people of any consequence. And yet Jesus called them to be a part of this mission. And now Jesus calls an even more unlikely person, a controversial person. He, as he approaches this tax-collecting stand, he talks to Matthew, a tax collector. Now, when we think of tax collector, we may think of faceless people who are part of the IRS system. But in those days, tax collectors were very much people that were known in the community. And a tax collector in those days could mean two things. He could have been an independent contractor with the Roman government, equipped to um, pay taxes to Rome on behalf of the people and then collect those taxes from the people. Now, the Roman government says, as long as you give us our share, you can collect as much as you want. So there was a lot of finder's fees that went into tax collecting. Another form of tax collector was a toll collector. The area of Palestine and Capernaum were areas with lots and lots of economic traffic going through them. And there were people that were put in place to collect tolls from those who were traveling or buying or selling goods in the area. And once again, there, was amount, there were amounts of money that they had to submit to the government but then they would collect whatever they wanted or asked for. And for people like Matthew, people that were part of the Jewish religious tradition, they were set in charge of collecting taxes and tolls from their own people. 
They were set in charge of being a representative of the oppressive government over their folks that were being oppressed. And so as you can imagine, they were not very popular. They were considered cheats. They were considered traitors. They were considered not to be following their religious heritage because they were betraying their very religious identity to serve the oppressive government. And yet Jesus calls Matthew the traitor, the betrayer, the cheat, to be a part of his team, to be his disciple, to follow him and to walk with him in his healing and preaching and teaching and transformation. And Matthew followed. And as he followed Jesus, he brought with him his tax collecting cohort, the people that were a part of his previous life, people like him that were traitors and cheats, or at least considered such. He brings them all and they gather around a table together. Because for Matthew, Jesus' calling is not merely about his individual acceptance by God. It's not an individual calling alone, but this calling of this person is a reminder of Jesus' welcoming all people into this transformative, life-altering ministry that he has for the world. It is about Jesus welcoming those who are religiously and socially marginalized, those who have done really horrible stuff, about bringing together a group of people that may not otherwise associate in the world together around the banquet table of God. Now, this is problematic. <laughs> it's problematic because that's not how things are supposed to be done. That makes people really uncomfortable. Sharing a meal together, after all, for the Jewish people in particular, is a holy moment. Is a sacramental moment. They are supposed to be with people. They are supposed to eat with people. They are supposed to exist with people who will be better for them, who will make them more righteous, more holy. Right? How many times when we are young do our parents tell us that they want us to hang out with the right people because they don't want us to fall away from the right and righteous path with the wrong kind of friends? And yet, Jesus gathers around this table with all of these folks, tax collectors and sinners, Cheats, traitors, fishermen. Jesus is Jesus. And even amidst the strange looks and questions, he does what he wants, or rather, he does what he needs to in order to have the right people in place to accomplish his mission. This isn't just a one-time or casual thing either. No, Jesus is constantly bringing people 
who are unexpected around tables together, bringing people who are unexpected into the ministry of God. This welcoming all sorts of misfitted bands of brothers and sisters and children is an essential part of Jesus' ministry. But sometimes we religious folks don't like that. The Pharisees who know the laws of God, who know what scripture says, who know that they are supposed to eat with and exist with and be in relationship with people that will help them be better, that will help them be more holy and more righteous, have a problem with this misfit table that Jesus is putting together. They struggle how he, Jesus, a religious person, a rabbi, someone with religious authority could eat with those kinds of people. Note that Jesus' disciples, those fishermen are eating as well, but the Pharisees, they don't struggle as much with the fishermen. It's the tax collectors, it's the sinners, it's the cheats. It's the people that were considered unclean or unworthy. And so these Pharisees asked Jesus' disciples what their master was doing. You notice they don't go up to Jesus and ask him directly. But like many of us, they ask the friends, what's going on? Why is he doing this? And either because they're speaking really loudly or because Jesus has really amazing hearing, he himself responds to their gossiping questions and says, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Healthy people don't need a physician, but sick people do. Now, now for us, we know that there's such a thing as preventative health care. We go and get checkups to make sure that everything's lining up. But, but in Jesus' day, they didn't have that. They didn't have preventative health care or screenings. And instead, when you got sick, you would seek out someone who was known in the community as a physician or a healer. That's why people flocked to Jesus when they became sick, because he was known as someone who offered healing without asking for anything in return. Jesus didn't ask for forgiveness as a prerequisite or repentance from people. There weren't prerequisites for the healing and the life transformation that they offered. People just needed to come. But if they don't acknowledge that they're sick, they're not going to be able to be healed. I'm sure you've known folks like this, right? I think of the television show Parks and Rec that ran for a number of years. And a particular scene comes to mind with the Parks director, Leslie Nope, curled up in her office with multiple heaters going layer upon layer, coat upon coat, a red face, a swollen nose as she struggles with the flu and still is trying to work, refusing everybody's suggestion that she is sick. 
They say you're sick, you need to go to a doctor. She says, no, I'm not sick. <laughs> I'm sure that you know those folks in your own lives. The people that refuse to acknowledge when they need help, when they're sick. The Pharisees were followers of the law. They were the righteous people, the most righteous of the most righteous. They were so holy. They were those that knew the law, the scriptures, backwards and forwards. They would preach um, powerful words. They would lead people in important rituals. They were the ones that if you were going to put together a religious team, that would be picked first. And yet... They also were sinners because they were human. They would fall short just like each and every one of us do. And they could not see or acknowledge that they also were in need of healing. That like the tax collectors, like the fishermen, like the outcast, like the marginalized, like all of those other band of misfits gathered around the table of Jesus who were broken and who were sick and who needed the balm of a savior, that they were there too. They didn't acknowledge that they needed healing. And so when Jesus offers it, they miss out. Perhaps they did not respond to Jesus's invitation because it inevitably would also lead to being disciples that eat with those people. In some ways, it's as if Jesus is saying here, if you don't share in this kind of meal, if you aren't willing to sit around a table with people that I love, which is everyone, then I, I have nothing for you. Now, as we think about this story, it's easy for us to think that we're not the Pharisees. We're not the ones that are judging. We're not the ones that push people away. We're not the ones that question who Jesus loves. But... How many times do we find ourselves with stubborn, self-righteous religious ideas? How many times do we find ourselves not wanting to talk to people with whom we disagree or whom we view as having the wrong opinions or religious beliefs about certain things? How many times are we sick with self-righteousness or anger or prejudice and we don't want to acknowledge it. But the good news for all of us in our sickness, in our anger, in our self-righteousness, in our sin, the good news is that Jesus is our great physician and our great healer. 
inviting us, calling all of us. No matter how broken we may be, inviting us to that table of misfits and offering healing, transformation, and wholeness. Offering us the opportunity to be a part of repairing and renewing this broken world by receiving healing for our brokenness. We are sinners, and still we are called to be a part of Christ's mission in the world. But we have to acknowledge that we're sick. We have to acknowledge that we need the healing balm of Jesus. To acknowledge that we might be too bound up in our religious rites and rituals that we miss the point of the mission of Jesus in the world. We have to acknowledge that we might judge people that Jesus would sit down and eat with. That the tables around Jesus, around which Jesus eats, are a hodgepodge of people who without him might not even like each other. We have to acknowledge that our hearts and minds and souls, no matter how well-intentioned, can be hardened as we become oblivious to our own prejudices and anger, as we begin to draw lines between who Jesus would call and invite and who he would reject. Author Brene Brown says that her favorite part of worship each and every week in the Episcopal tradition is communion, which they celebrate every Sunday. And she says that she loves coming before the table of God because as she comes forward, so do all of these people. And they are all coming to the table. And she says, in that room, at that table, will be all sorts of people that outside of the walls of that church and any other time during the week, she may want to punch in the face. But at that table, in that moment, with Jesus in the picture, they are made whole together. Jesus is ready to offer a healing balm, transformation, redemption, and wholeness to all sinners. That's us, whom he calls to follow. We just must say yes. And when we do, when we, like Matthew, say yes to this call towards Jesus's ministry, this call towards a table full of misfits, towards healing, towards preaching, towards redemption and wholeness and caring for the poor and the sick and the transformation of the world. When we say yes to Jesus' calling for transformation in our hearts and our lives, to open hearts and open minds, when we say yes to that, we will be healed. We will be transformed, and in turn, we will be a part of transforming God's world. Jesus is the great physician and the great healer. Jesus transforms us to redeem creation.
So let us today turn towards God. Let us acknowledge that we are sick and let us open our hearts and minds and souls and allow the grace and the goodness of God to transform us that we might be a part of transforming the world for Christ. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for your goodness and your grace, for the power of your transformation that meets us all and that brings us healing no matter how sick our souls or weary our hearts. Help us and empower us today, O oh God, to be the people that you have called us to be. Ease our anger, calm our chaotic spirits. Empower us with your insights to see within ourselves those prejudices, those hurts, those barriers that we erect which keep us from living fully into your kingdom. Make us into your people that we can help be a part of bringing your grace and healing and goodness to your world. In Christ's name we pray.